Does anybody really remember when they bought their first CD? I definitely do. It was one summer in middle school. And despite all my claims over the years that I've been collecting CDs since I was a child, as I get older, I kind of keep moving the goalposts on what constitutes childhood. But I do remember that it was really, really hot that summer. I remember I used to spend a ton of time in my backyard swinging on this massive swing set that had been there since we moved in. This thing was amazing. It was one of those wooden swing sets that had three swings on it and a big wooden bridge in the center. Now, as a middle school teen, it might seem a little bit weird that I was still playing on my swing set, but believe me whenever I tell you that I was a pretty lonely kid. Middle school is not very kind to me. For three years, I was in middle school, and I struggled the entire time trying to find what my place was with my classmates. As I talked about in the mortification episode, my earlier years were much, much different than those of my classmates because they weren't hyper-religious and terrified of demons and all of that. And so any potential friends that I may have had, I mean, the kids in my neighborhood, the kids at school, the kids that I sort of knew outside of school, none of them were too interested in hanging out with such a weird kid. And this left me pretty isolated. I had my older brother, but he was a lot more social than I was, so he had friends in the neighborhood, and he spent most of the time during that summer with them. And my big sister had just started college, and so she was only home every now and again on the weekend. And so at that time, I just spent a lot of time in the backyard, playing on the swing set, listening to my radio, which I'll get into a little bit later in the episode. But I really just wasn't much of a music guru back then. I mean, back then, music was probably the third Thing on my list of interests behind video games and Star Wars. Like, I knew what music was, I knew what bands were supposed to be cool, but I guess I just didn't really know what I was specifically looking for. And the only way I could really explain how this leads to me eventually buying Make Yourself by Incubus that summer, I'm gonna have to rewind a little bit. At the start of middle school, back in, I think it was sixth grade, I tried being a band kid, because whenever you go into middle school, you kind of decide, do I want to be a band kid, or do I want to be a sports kid, or do I just want to be a kid kid, or do I want to be a loser? I mean, you had a very limited amount of choices in what direction you could go in. So I decided to join band. I really wanted to play the trumpet because my big sister played the trumpet, and I wanted to be like her. But after sort of meeting all of us and kind of seeing what instruments we wanted to play, my music teacher decided that my lips were a little bit too big to play the trumpet and he wanted me to play trombone instead. Well, I certainly wasn't having any of that, so I decided that playing nothing was much better than playing the trombone, so I dropped out. And the majority of the band kids pretty much ignored me after that. I was there, and then I wasn't there. So next, I decided to take a shot at being a drama club kid. So I joined the drama club, and that went about as well as you would expect when you're the kind of kid that still plays on a swing set even though you're in middle school. I was a little bit annoying and a little too excited to be there. Although the drama teacher saw the potential in my excitement and ended up giving me a lead role. I actually got the role of a villain in a children's musical. And the only problem was is that I guess I was so annoying that the other kids just did not enjoy being around me. And the way this play worked is you had two separate casts to perform the play on two separate nights. So I had a counterpart and 
pretty much universally all the kids in the drama club said, yeah, the, the other guy, he, he's way better at this role than you are. J just so you know, the only reason you got this role is because there were two slots open, which is a little rough, but it was whatever. I was in the play, so I was happy enough, even though the kids didn't really want to play with me or hang out with me very much afterwards. And those kids were harsh, man. Usually you expect drama club kids to also be misfits to a certain degree, but uh, you know, they wouldn't really fit in with the jocks or even the band kids. They were kind of their own separate thing. So even though I expected to find acceptance there, I really didn't. And maybe it was my fault because I was super annoying. You know, it definitely made me much more aware of how I was coming across to other kids. And so I sort of ended up taking a vow of silence after leaving that group because I was just afraid that any kid that was talking to me was just going to be making fun of me instead of really wanting to be my friend. And I remember it was like a month or two after the play was over. They were having some kind of small town parade like right outside of our school on a Saturday morning. And they invited the entire cast to reprise their roles and dress up and, and march in this parade. And they had like this planning meeting, which I had heard about from another kid in my class. And so I showed up to the planning meeting because I figured, you know, well, hey, I was a part of the play. And I remember this girl walking right up to me and looking me straight in the eye and being like, so who told you about this and why are you here? And yeah, so even though everybody else in the play, you know, both versions of every role was there, except for the lead villain role, they just chose the other guy to walk into parade by himself without me being there. That is some absolutely cold shit. So that left me with just a group of misfits. These guys stood in front of the library every morning before classes started. And despite them giving me a little bit of the stink eye when I first started standing there next to them, I kind of just showed up every single day and stood in the same spot and barely said anything and just listened to these guys. And eventually they became comfortably indifferent to my being there. What they normally did was just stand there in a circle and some of them would play Pokemon on their Game Boys and would talk about whatever bands or movies or video games that they thought were cool that week. One kid in particular had a massive book of CDs, some legal and some burned. Inside he had corn CDs, tool CDs, Godsmack CDs, Slipknot, and he even had a Static X CD, which is a band who I had seen a ton of t-shirts for, but never actually heard. And I would just stand there in the circle and nod my head along to whatever they were saying. And I remember trying to engage in conversation only one time. I mean, it took me enough time to work up enough confidence to speak. And then I had to wait like an agonizing 40 seconds for there to be a perfect lull in the conversation for me to pipe up. And unfortunately, this is what I said. Yeah, I just watched Fear Factory the other day. It was totally crazy. Now, here's what 2022 Dan knows that middle school Dan didn't know. Fear Factory is an industrial metal band who had released an incredible album called Obsolete in 1998. But uh, we're, we're not talking about that on this episode. It's just that at that age, I had figured that something called Fear Factory definitely had to be a movie. And they all sort of just stared at me for what felt like a solid hour. But then one kid finally spoke up and said, oh, so you saw them live? And instantly I realized that I had made a huge mistake and that by they, he meant that Fear Factory was a band, not a movie. So I kind of spit out a quick little, uh, yeah, man, it was rad. Before anybody could ask me what songs were played, I whispered, uh, oh, uh, I gotta go pee. And I removed myself from the circle. 
And that was the first and last time I ever spoke up in that circle. And I'm not sure if the kid who spoke up realized I was saying something just to say a thing and was covering for me, or if he was just so confused by what I said that he needed clarification. Either way, God bless that kid. See, that was kind of my strategy back then. I didn't speak out much. I, I sort of stood and watched the other kids, what their interests were, and what they liked as far as bands and music, even down to their personal appearances, like what clothes they wore, what style their hair was, if they wore jewelry, necklaces, wallet chains, you know. I just had trouble figuring out how to adapt myself to be a true part of that group or any group. Thankfully for me, though, nobody mentioned the Fear Factory incident for the rest of the year. And I remember the last day of school feeling like I hadn't made much headway with that group and was looking forward to spending like the next three months in the safety of my backyard swing set. See, Christmas that year, my parents had bought me a solar powered radio and this thing was really, really cool. It had a headphone jack. It was made out of like blue transparent plastic, very, very late nineties. It really was solar powered too. You could, you could leave it out in the sun and let it charge for like two hours and it would work for a couple of hours after that. And if it ran out of batteries, there was this little crank that popped out of the side that you could physically turn to charge the battery. It was super cool. So I spent a good portion of the summer swinging in the backyard and listening to this monstrous radio. And armed with the knowledge of what bands that I should be listening to and what radio stations I should be listening to, I began what was unknowingly my first music cram session. I would wake up in the morning, go outside, turn on the radio and swing, and just listen to whatever came on, commercials and all. Then I would go inside at lunchtime while leaving the radio outside to charge, listen to some more radio. Sometimes I'd go for walks with the radio and sort of wander around the subdivision until dinner time. I'm sure this didn't make me look weird to the other kids at all. After dinner, I'd go back outside and just lay on the bridge and listen to more music. I think the most frustrating obstacle was that you could hear a song that you liked, but you wouldn't know who the band was or what the song was actually called. And that might seem kind of funny now, but back then you were at the mercy of the DJ who would only tell you the name of the first song they played after a commercial break. And then maybe the name of the last song before the next commercial break. And then they would play like three or four songs in between. And those were just mystery songs. I had to keep listening in the hopes that the right songs would play at the beginning or the end chunk of songs. You better believe it took me like a solid month of doing this every day before I had a fairly good catalog of songs and artists committed to memory. But the thing was is that I needed to know these songs and to know these bands because once I did, then I could speak to the kids at school about it, right? Like that, that was kind of my plan. It's like I'm going to learn everything I can about this music so that I can actually say something not stupid the next time I'm in school. I continued like that for pretty much all of June, all of July. On rainy days, I would just sit in my room coloring these really, really big adult coloring pages. I mean, not adult as in like porn, but just there weren't exactly coloring books, but they weren't far off. I don't know. That sort of thing wasn't as popular then. I know you can like buy coloring books specifically for older people. But anyway, there were like these giant fantasy scenes. I would use markers and color those in and continue with my radio cram session. I had a little notepad to write down any song or band names that were interesting to me. And I was happy with this, but there were so many bands and songs that it was kind of overwhelming. 
like and also the tedium of having to sit through a whole bunch of songs I didn't want to hear you know until I got to the song that I wanted it's totally wild now like every time I pull my phone out and look at Spotify or something I'm completely blown away by how easy it is because I'm always sort of remembering that having to wait a really really long time although an argument could be made that songs are maybe a little bit more special when you have to wait maybe that's true with anything but to move the story along one weekend my sister came home and my sister is super cool and is still super cool and she'd always make it a point to take me out driving with her and there was one time where I had some money saved up and I can't remember exactly how I had that money because I didn't cut grass or do what normal kids did in the summer because cutting grass would take away time from swinging and listening to your solar power radio. But I had about $20 so we stopped off at this store and I was looking at CDs and I was trying to find titles that I recognized because I only knew the names of the bands, right? And sometimes logos based on t-shirts that I had seen but I didn't really know what the album covers looked like. So, I mean, it was a lot of just standing there staring at rows and rows and rows of CDs. And of course, I gravitated right towards Korn's Follow the Leader because my sister really liked the song Freak on a Leash. And so I figured, you know, maybe I could slip that one past. And I remember really liking the song Got the Life from the radio, but my sister was like, no, you can't get that one. You have to get one that doesn't have one of those parental advisory stickers on it because she didn't want to have to explain that to our parents. So instead, I actually settled on Make Your by Incubus because I really loved the song Pardon Me from the radio and I'd get super super stoked whenever it came on it was definitely one of my favorites and so I was super excited to hear the album and I was so happy to see that it had 13 songs on it and it was only 14 bucks which in 1999 or 2000 that was kind of a steal I even had enough money left over to get a soda and some snacks on the way out so win-win I remember being so stoked that I actually had a CD See, I had this hidden collection of cassette tapes that other kids had sort of dubbed for me at school. And I used to have to write the names of Christian worship music or sermons on the label so that my parents wouldn't be suspicious of those tapes. So I wasn't unfamiliar with the idea of recorded media, even though I might be making it sound like that. This was different, though. I remember the joy of sort of sitting in the car and looking at the cover of the album. And it was like the real deal. It wasn't a copy. I was officially a CD owner. I could listen to it whenever I wanted. With, with headphones, of course, because my parents were still a little bit religious as far as that stuff goes. When I finally plopped down in my room and put my headphones on, I was completely blasted into another world. Right off the bat, I was drawn in by just how smooth everything sounded. And I know this was supposed to be hard rock, and I might have thought it was hard rock at the time. It might have been what I would consider heavy. Even though I'd heard stuff like Korn and even a little bit of Slipknot at that point, Incubus was decidedly different. And I think it was fate that I was sort of drawn to that band because they had a different sound, a different vibe, a little bit more, I guess, funk. I know they get tagged as funk rock sometimes. And it sort of makes sense, especially if you factor in stuff like Science and even Fungus Among Us before that. This band has always been super weird, and I may not have known this at the time, but this was really their attempt to try to break through and be a more mainstream type of act. And so what you get on Make Yourself is very smooth vocals, lots of samples, lots of scratching, and just lots of weird guitar effects, and it just drew me in. I liked the doubling effect on Brandon Boyd's voice. It made it sound futuristic. It made him sound a little bit robotic. And I don't know if they were supposed to just be, you know, harmonies, but 
those types of doubled self harmonies. I don't know. I still love them to this day. It's the reason I got into Alice in Chains later on, even though I know they're an older band, but I heard Alice in Chains after I heard Incubus. So you can make what you want out of that. And I'll start this review portion off by saying right up front that I think this record is essentially perfect as is. But obviously with everything, there's going to be songs that really, really stand out to you. And there's a lot of songs on this record that are still in my rotation today. And so I kind of want to spotlight those a little bit and talk about those. So the first song that really comes to mind for me when I think of Make Yourself is the song Nowhere Fast. And this is a song that perfectly describes everybody who was my age that year. It's a song about wondering about your future and wondering where you're at, which is exactly where I was at at the time, because I didn't really know what my primary interests were. I didn't know if I was quote unquote destined for greatness, because for whatever reason, a lot of us in my generation, we all feel like we're destined for greatness of some type. But it just seemed like time went by very, very slowly at that age. So if life was heading in a specific direction, I had no idea what that direction was. And it really, really bothered me. It was especially worse in summer because in summer, the days actually are longer. And you don't really have anywhere that you need to be. And so I remember anytime I was in a bad mood, I would just listen to this song over and over and over again because it was one of the first songs that I truly related to, even though I didn't know that it was specifically probably aimed at guys my age or guys like me, but it did seem to be coming from like a very real emotional place. And I still like that song. It, it just, it's perfectly sad, but also like a little bit hopeful about the future. The next song is The Warmth. And I'll be honest, I think the lyrics to The Warmth are a little bit on the cheesy side, but the actual music is not cheesy at all. The song starts off super, super creepy and then kind of goes really, really hard on guitar effects and samples. And it's trying to create like a super cold feeling. This is one where I'm actually just gonna have to play a clip from it in order to show you what I mean. Doesn't that sound kind of cold? And it makes it fun because the song is the warmth and it's about experiencing warmth and you don't want to be cold like everyone else. Like the lyrics are never going to win a whole lot of awards for me on this song, but this is one of the very first songs I remember that grabbed me specifically for the music itself. And you can never beat a song that has whale noises at the end. At least I think they're whale noises. I might have to compare them to a to the whale noises on a Gojira record to really make a determination. And now I'm gonna talk about a song that's like hard for me to talk about because again, this is a song that I really love musically and that's Stellar. Stellar was one of the biggest hits off of this record. I think it might've even been a bigger hit than Pardon Me was because Stellar is like a romantic song. And I say romantic with quotation marks around it because the song starts with the line, meet me in outer space, which really intrigues me because, you know, space, right? And the song is very spacey sounding. One of these days I'm gonna have to like try to make a, 
make a Wikipedia entry explaining what I think spacey means, because sometimes I think I use that word a lot to describe music, but it may not mean exactly what I think it means. But I love the way the song sounds. I think that the main riff on the chorus is one of the most infectiously catchy things I've ever heard in my life. And I remember when I was laying on my bridge at night, listening to that song and staring up at the stars and sort of getting the full effect of listening to a song like Stellar. But I found that I really had to ignore the lyrics because like I would get weirded out. Like I'm like 12, 13 years old at the time. So like I'm not ready to hear it might be the only way that I can show you how it feels to be inside you. Uh, that might have been a little too crass for me at that age. And it, it's always weird and hard for me to relate to. Like, I guess I relate to it a little bit now that I'm older. But when I was a kid, I'd never been in a relationship with somebody else before. And so a lot of the love and relationship songs on this album were a little hard for me to relate to personally. But I think there was a part of me that, like, was excited to hear those songs so that I could more personally relate to them whenever I got older. I do think that the lyrics on this song in particular are a little bit on the nose, but I mean, it is what it is. It was, it was 1999, 2000. I guess it was 2000, right? Because the record came out in October of 1999, and then I probably didn't buy it until the summer of 2000. So there, there's our timestamp there. This is still one of the greatest singles of all time, and it's personally one of my favorite rock singles, despite any problems that I might have with it. Any complaints that I have about it are overshadowed by the success of the song itself. And Make Yourself. Make Yourself is one of the best title tracks, just because it's a mission statement for what this album is about. First of all, I think what it refers to is Incubus searching for their own individuality, which they always have been about. But on this record, this is where they had significantly changed their style from what they were playing before. And so you start off with this like darker, angrier song, and it's a total tone shift from the beginning of the record, which is a little bit more chill. This is the first like really angry song on the album. And I love how it starts off lo-fi. It's got some vinyl scratching samples playing over it. I love the opening lyrics of if I hadn't made me, I would have been made somehow. If I hadn't assembled myself, I'd have fallen apart by now. If I hadn't made me, I'd be more inclined to bow. Powers that be would have swallowed me up, but that's more than I can allow. And yeah, it's a super angsty song. It's like a nobody's going to tell me what to do kind of song. But I needed that at the time. I needed that that sort of strong, definitive statement of you need to just be yourself, dude. Stop trying to blend in with all of these other people. You need to do what works for you because if you base your personality off of somebody else, that's not a real personality born from a lived life or a personality born from real experience. So you're going to just crumble and blow away. I think he compares it to paper mache because it rhymes. And like if I had a thesis statement for, for this episode, it's the same thesis statement as this album. Just be yourself. Make yourself. And another interesting part about this song is that the dude screams fuck like a whole bunch of times. And I think it's funny because my sister wouldn't let me get you know, the corn album because it had a parental advisory sticker on it. This record did not have a parental advisory on it, but dude, they probably say the F word like 15 or 16 times on this record. He says it in the chorus 
of the warmth. He just screams it over and over and over again and make yourself. Like, it's it's kind of funny to me how that stuff gets by. Like, did Incubus get a free pass because they weren't as angry as Coroner Slipknot? I need to find out more about that, but I'll, I'll save it for a different episode or maybe for a live stream or something like that. But yeah. The song Make Yourself, 10 out of 10, would recommend. Still love that song. Brandon Boyd screams in it. Uh, and like I said earlier, they, they're not like amazing screams, but they're passionate and he means it. And that makes a huge difference for me. I care way more about that than I care about quote unquote vocal technique. And then we come to the song Clean. And Clean starts off pretty clean. It's got some nice percussion. Then it adds in some like little guitar stabs here and there, some sample effects. And then that guitar, those riffs, you know, that modern rock, or at least modern rock for 1999, starts getting more and more aggressive, and then it just smooths out. And then Brandon Boyd comes in with this real smooth voice, and we sort of relax and chill out. But then that chill vibe starts building into something not so chill, and then they go back to being chill again. Incubus really loves building on this record, like they're making a soup, and they just kind of drop different ingredients in. And then they pour the soup out in the middle of the song, and then they just start it over again. And even though this was like a relationship song, this is one of my favorite songs on the record musically, just because they're doing a lot of really cool stuff. And speaking of cool stuff, you've got Battlestar Scrolactica, which is... Probably the first time I've ever said the name of that song the way I think it's supposed to be pronounced. I used to mess it up all the time. It's like Battlestar Scratactula or Scratula. <laughs> Battlestar Tarantula, me and my friends used to call it, just because Skirlachtica is just too hard to say. And as you may have guessed, this is the token instrumental song on the album. And I don't usually gravitate towards those, but this is just a weird chill funk song with a whole bunch of record scratching going on and a bunch of weird samples being played and it always weirded me out when i only had this cd but once i ended up picking up a copy of science yeah it made a whole lot more sense to me early incubus is just crazy so i'm going to talk about pardon me a little bit i know there's not really a lot to say about one of the most popular rock songs in the early 2000s but this was the first incubus song i ever heard it's what got me interested in the record and it perfectly described how I felt, you know, because this whole episode's been about me either being rejected by other kids or being straight up ignored by other kids. And so, you know, what is the response to that is, well, pardon me, because I'm burning, right, for this interaction. I'm burning to be a part of a group, but I have to do it silently because nobody cares. So just the passive aggressive, well, pardon me while I burst into flames you know i don't know i just it, it always hits just right you know it's relatable it's relatable to any part of your life uh any stage of your development everybody has felt this way at one time or another and i think that's what makes it great it's a high energy song with a very loud in your face chorus and it's awesome and the last song that i'm going to talk about is out from under which is coincidentally also the last song in the album so you remember when I asked if there's a more angsty song than Make Yourself? Well, there is. It's definitely this song. And this is probably the loudest and most pissed off sounding Incubus song uh, until they released Megalomaniac a few years later. I mean, the dude just starts off with, To resist is to piss in the wind. Anyone who does will end up smelling. And it still makes me laugh. I, I laughed the first time I heard it. Like, si I was silently in my room with headphones on and you just hear me like laughing maniacally because it's just 
Brandon Boyd is a great lyricist, but his humor is sometimes really, really, really on the nose, but like in a in an endearing sort of way. And you've got him being super serious. Like it's a song about resisting authority. Like, it, yeah, it's a little bit generic because they never says who the authority figure is. But maybe it's just authority figures in general. And that's something that, you know, when I think back to records that are massively successful, they're trying to appeal to the most amount of people. It's not really a resistance song against a specific authority figure as much as it is a song against whatever authority figure is oppressing you. So that could be a teacher, that could be a pastor, that could be your parents, you know. And, you know, Papa Roach largely did the same thing whenever they came out with Infest. But he's so serious about this topic, but he still chooses to start the song off with a piss joke, which is hilarious. And it's just, it's so incubus. And he screams in this one too. I love the like higher register scream that he does. He just absolutely goes for it at the end of this song. And I just love it, love it, love it. I love this record, if that's not obvious enough. You always love the first thing that you pick up, you know? It always makes me wonder what would have happened if my first record had been a bad one. You know, like just something really, really garbagey, you know. But I got really lucky with this one because a lot of people that start off listening to the radio, they don't like to buy records because when you hear the single, you hear what at least the record label or the band thinks is the best song on that record. And you always hear that common complaint of, well, yeah, then I went out and I bought the record and the only song that I like on it is the single. I got super, super lucky with Make Yourself because this record is amazing. I still listen to it. I still love it. It's always going to have that special place in my heart. But this record had a very significant effect on me in that I came back to school with that CD and I knew a lot about it. You know, it was the first thing that I had become an expert on because CDs came with liner notes. So not only did I know the songs, but I knew all the words. I knew all the band members' names, what instruments they played on the record, if there was any session musicians on the record, if there was any guest appearances. I knew the names of all the bands that they toured with because they have this like big thanks section at the end of it. I know what record label they're on. I know everything about this record, and it's a pretty popular record. So now I can take that record back to school, and now I have something that I can talk to these other kids about. But it's still a record that I chose. To listen to and I chose to become an expert in and believe me after I got this CD I bought a whole lot more CDs after that I made music into my thing I made music into the thing that I was the subject matter expert on and suddenly I didn't have to fit in with anybody else I was doing my music thing over here and if people wanted to come join my group and stand in my circle of misfits they were welcome to do that that was 22 years ago and over a thousand CD purchases ago. And I've gone on to discuss music in school debates, in magazines, on blogs, on multiple podcasts. Music became my real true interest. I mean, I do enjoy other things as well, but music has been since that day and will be until the day I die, number one. Nothing else even comes close to what music did for me and continues to do for me in the present. See, with purpose, I found confidence, and with confidence, I found motivation and I found drive. And I owe every single bit of it to Incubus because they put the thought in my head that I didn't need to fit in with anybody else. I needed to make myself.
Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of DFT's Dungeon. If you guys like the podcast, make sure you're subscribing. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of your social medias. There's going to be links in the show notes that'll take you to all of those locations. And if you guys want to get in touch with me directly, you can send me an email at dftdungeon at gmail.com or you can find me on my Discord server. There'll be a link to that also in the show notes. I've got even more exciting episodes for you guys to round out season one. We're about a little over halfway through the season right now. So you got nine episodes left before I take a break for about, I don't know, three weeks to a month-ish. And I'll keep you guys in the loop at all times. Hope to talk to you guys soon, and I'll see you next week.